0: Heavenly Father, we thank you that, um, and just start off with that, Lord, we thank you for those that have, have really sacrificed, given the ultimate sacrifice uh, so that we might be free, uh, we might live in this country free, um, and they protect us and uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice. We're thankful for that. And um, Lord, we also just uh, thank you um, for the one who gave the, the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ, gave his life for us on the cross and then resurrected from the dead, proving that he had made payment for our sin, and that uh, now he, it uh, says, sits at the right hand of the Father, and we wait for his return. We're thankful for Jesus, and um, Lord, we, we just uh, thank you for this time today where the, the people of God can come together and worship, and through singing, worship through uh, putting ourselves under your word, hearing what you have to say, and, and also worship you by sharing our, our gifts with one another, our spiritual gifts of encouragement or mercy or whatever it might be, uh, whether it's during the service or after the service, using those gifts to build one another up in the faith. And so, Lord, we want to worship you in all those ways. And, Father, I just pray that you'd fill me now you'd strengthen me to, uh, to share your word with your people. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been in this series on Job, we're really kind of just getting started, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's quite an amazing book, it's, it's unique, very unique book in the Bible, and so it's, it's actually quite uh, one of the books that's less traveled, um, a lot of people have not read it or, let it, or maybe have read kind of the beginning and the end, in the middle they kind of leave out. Uh, because there's a lot of dialogue that goes on between Job and his friends, and the, and then, of course then God speaks, and um, and that's usually when people kind of dial back in. But uh, we don't want to miss out on uh, on the stuff in between, and, and we're not going to miss it. Um, we will do some condensing of it as we go through the book over the, in the coming weeks. But but um, this book is a gift to us. Um, All of God's word is his word and is profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, as it says in in 1 Timothy 3.16. So it's all God's word. Um, So today, what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to kind of read in two different chunks. We're going to read chapter three, and then uh, I'm going to share some things with you about that, and then we're going to read just a few verses into chapter four, Um, but You know, you may have found yourself at different times, and maybe you are now, asking God questions that usually begin with why. Why God, and then fill in the blank, right? Something that you don't understand that's going on. It might be kind of a a global question, you know, uh, or something that's happening right where you live and in your life right now. Um, And I think um, if you haven't been asking those kinds of questions lately, I mean, at some point you will. Um, something's going to happen in your life. You'll encounter some form of suffering. And many times we ask some why questions. And so um, I love the fact that, um, you know, we we see, uh, if you will, the good, the bad, and the ugly all in the Bible. And God didn't just kind of like sugarcoat everything, but we see it all right here on the pages of Scripture. And so this morning I'm just going to... read to you some of these verses in, well, read to you chapter 3. So, um, as is our practice, uh, would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? If we do this, uh, just so you know, if you're new with us, we do this just in honor of God's Word. Um, because it's, it's not uh, me, this is not my words, this is God's Word. and We want to live our lives according to it. So, just listen. Um, here it says, um, at last Job spoke, and he cursed the day of his birth. He said, let the day of my birth be erased and the night I was conceived, let the day be turned to darkness, let it be lost even to God on high, and let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and the utter gloom claim that day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it and let the darkness terrify it. Let that night be blotted out or blotted off the calendar, never again to be counted among the days of the year. Never again to appear among the months. Let that night be childless. Let it have no joy. Let those who are experts at cursing, whose cursing could rouse Leviathan, curse that day. Let its morning stars remain dark. Let it hope for light, but in vain. May it never see the morning light. Curse that day for failing to shut my mother's womb. For letting me be born to see all this trouble. Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me at her breasts? Had I died at birth, I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. I would rest with the world's kings and prime ministers whose great buildings now lie in ruins. I would rest with princes rich in gold whose palaces were filled with silver. Why wasn't I buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lives to see the light? For in death the wicked cause no trouble and the weary are at rest. Even captives are at ease in death with no guards to curse them. Rich and poor are both there and the slave is free from his master. Oh, why give light to those in misery and life to those who are bitter? They long for death and it won't come. They search for death more eagerly than for hidden treasure. They're filled with joy when they finally die and rejoice when they find the grave. Why is life given to those with no future, those God has surrounded with difficulties? I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. This is the word of the Lord. Please have seat. Well, that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? It's um you can see Job expressing his anguish, his despair, um and uh just just to help uh, those that might be joining us for the first time today, to give you a quick recap uh of uh what's happened so far in the book of Job. Um so what happened was that Job has uh, experienced the loss of all of his property. Basically, he was, he's a he's a great man who had great riches and was well known all throughout the land, and uh, all of that was was taken from him. And then uh, soon after, he lost all of his children. They all died in a tragedy. Now, um, and if you haven't been with us, what you might not know is uh, something took place in the heavenlies before those uh, tragedies occurred. And that was uh, Satan was asking to, in a sense, test Job to see if he would really be faithful to God. He's like, you know, Job is such a God-fearing man because you do all this great stuff for him. You've made him rich. You've given him a great family. That's the only reason he praises you and worships you, God. So let's put him to the test. And so God allowed him to test Job in these different ways. And um job, you know God attests to the fact that that uh you know job is a godly man he was he is a man of integrity and uh and so this is uh what 's happened prior to this. Now, let me read to you uh just a, a couple of verses so you can know uh, and so some of us could maybe remember what his responses were to each of these tests, the two tests, the one with all of his property being gone, so the one with all all of his property. Uh, and his um, and all of his, you know, for them it was livestock, right? That would have would have uh, that was your bank account, you know. Um, so, uh, Job chapter one verses twenty to twenty-two, uh, where it says, after he lost all of uh, all of his material wealth, it says, then Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped and said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then it says in verse twenty-two, and all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Um, I mean, that's quite a test, and he passed it with flying colors, right? He worshipped God, and he's like, you know, um, maybe experiencing the loss of that just reminds me of how blessed I was, right? That God gave me all that stuff, um, but then. Uh, after the test of losing his children, um, and we get to Job uh, chapter 2, and uh, let's see here, verse uh, verse 10. This is right after his, his uh, wife suggests, do you still hold fast your integrity, curse God and die? She's like, just give it up. You know, this is too much. But he said in response to her, you speak as one, of the foolish women would speak, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. And so, he's still worshiping God after all of those incredible losses. And it was just wave after wave after wave when you read those first two chapters. And so, um most of us at this point would say, "Well, this would be a great time to end the book wouldn't it wouldn't this be a great just end to the story right now? um you know, because basically, what we could say at this point would be that job was a great man, job endured great suffering with integrity, be like job, end of story right uh, but that's not where it ends. That's not where it ends, and so that's where we find ourselves in Job chapter three. This morning. You know, in fact, Job has 42 chapters. Um, 42 chapters. And you might wonder, like, why so long? Some of you are calculating it. how many Sundays is that? I could I could just see it happening. Like, don't worry, we're gonna condense some things. But I'm just saying, you know, you, you gotta ask a question, you know. You, you kind of wonder, like, why such a long book about suffering? And uh, that's a great question. Uh and uh, I want to share with you something that Christopher Ashe wrote in his commentary on the book of Job uh, as to some of his thoughts about that. Um, and, and so he says, he says, Job is 42 chapters long. And he says, we may consider that rather an obvious observation, but the point is this, in his wisdom, God has given us a very long book and he has done so for a reason. It's it's easy just to read or preach the beginning and the end and skip the ra- rather quickly over the endless arguments in between as if it wouldn't much matter uh, if they weren't there because like I said you know basically between you know um, starting with chapter three and on for quite a number of chapters there's Job's complaint and expressing himself and then his friends who have come to visit him and try to comfort him give some of their opinions uh, and try to give them him, quote, wisdom as to why this is happening and then him responding back to that, right? Um, and so uh, Christopher Ash goes on to say, he says, uh, far, far from saying the message of Job could be summarized in a postcard or tweet, God says, come with me on a journey, a journey that will take time. Job cannot be distilled. It is a narrative with a very slow pace after a frenetic beginning And long delays. Why, Christopher says. And he says, because there is no instant working through grief, there is no quick fix to pain, no message of Job in a nutshell. And I think he's right on that. I think he's like, you know, we have this long book of this man who's experienced great suffering and how he's working through it for us. First, uh, at least partially, that we might know that there is no quick fix to pain there is no instantly working through grief this is this is part of life we experience losses we experience grief as a result of those losses and in his case he lost his health as well right we he was in an ash, pe- ash heap here just uh, at the towards the end of chapter 2 um with all these boils all over his body and so um but what we are i think supposed to at one of the many things to get out of this is the fact that this is a part of life going through grief it takes time right you you just can't read a book on grief and suffering and just say okay got that down right went through that course no it's 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 going to take time you're going to feel things you're going to process things you're going to work things out with god in the whole process and that's what we're actually able to get a ringside seat on here by this gift of the book of Job, okay? This is real life. This is real life. Job is experiencing real life. Um, As I was studying for this message today, I ran across an interview that uh, Joni Erickson Tata gave with a magazine, and and I wanted to share with you some of her responses. Now, if you don't know about uh, Joni, she's a quadriplegic. Okay, she had an accident many years ago. It left her a quadriplegic, and so she's in a wheelchair. And you know, um, and but but God used that uh, terrible thing in her life to bring Him glory, and that's what she would tell you. But let me just read to you some of this. Uh, what what she is uh, shares. Um, the question that she was posed was: So if your journey began with fear and anger how did you grow into gratitude and joy instead of living in bitterness and hopelessness? And her answer is this. She says, one of the first place places I turned to after my accident was the book of Job. Uh, what meant the most to me in my suffering was that God never condemned Job, Job for his doubt and despair. Um, he says, she says, uh, for some odd reason, it comforted me to realize that God did not condemn me for plying him with questions. He wanted me to express the true contents of my heart, to dump out all the jumbled, jagged shards of my soul before him. And that's what we're seeing in chapter 3. I mean, Job's just verbally vomiting out on God, you know, all this stuff that he's feeling, right? He hasn't changed his theology but he's working through the feelings and all of the heartache that he has because you're human, right? And he is human. Johnny goes on to say, she goes, Sometimes we're afraid to talk to God this way, like Job crying out in the night on the ash heap behind his house, like the psalmist treading water in the dark, like a furious teenager welded, in, welded into bed with a broken neck and bolts in her head, which is what she was. She was a teenager when this accident happened. She was in bed bolts in her head, and she couldn't move, you know. Uh, She says, we repress those murky, edgy emotions about our suffering. We choose to be polite, speaking sanitized words or not speaking at all. We bottle up our troubling questions and unspeakable feelings toward God, hiding behind an orthodox evangelical glaze as as we give it all over to the Lord. Now she's not saying you don't give it over to the Lord, but she's saying you're a you're a person with emotion. You've got things that you're going to have to cry out to God about in these things, and so she was just very thankful to be able to visit the Book of Job to realize that God did not, uh, you know, just interrupt Job in his crying out to him, saying, you know, well, Job, well, you just don't understand what I'm doing here. No, he God just let him uh, vent, if you will. His questions. So he vented his questions. And let me just share with you one other thing that she said in this interview that's relevant here. She's, uh, the question was Do you advise people who are suffering to vent their deep emotions, even anger, to God? Even anger to God. So she says, Strong emotions open the door to ask really hard questions. And I asked so very many of them in the early days of my paralysis. And here, some of her questions was, does life make sense? Is God good? More to the point, she says, our deep emotions reveal the spiritual direction in which we are moving. Are we moving toward the Almighty or away from Him? Anger uh, makes someone, uh, she goes, anger makes someone, someone the issue of our suffering rather than something. And that's moving in the right direction, she says, the newly The newly paralyzed Johnny, she says, calls herself, for all her seething rage at God behind the ceiling tiles was aiming those emotions at him. Whether she understood it at the time or not, she was moving toward God in her despair, venting her disappointment, expressing her hurt, and even questioning his goodness. But she wasn't talking about God behind his back. This is, I think, the important point of me mentioning this. She wasn't talking about God behind his back. She was angry enough to engage him head on, and then the anger melted into tears, and she was a scared little girl again, calling out to Daddy that she couldn't see, God, I can't, I can't live like this. If you won't let me die, then please show me how to live. And so he just took her through this kind of, you know, some people call it like the dark night of the soul, whatever you want to call it, an incredibly a great difficulty, and she said that yes, I I I was uh, expressing all this raw emotion to God, my disappointments, my questions, but it actually was moving me towards God. And she said, and she, I like how she put it there. She goes, I I, I did all this in front of God. I'm like, I'm taking these things to God. I'm not just like. Complaining to Chris about it, or whatever, or the or whoever, you know. And it's not that you can't process with other people, but she was taking her stuff to God. Um, you know, there's a there's a psalm that uh, does uh, touch on this too. Um, psalm 142, verse two relates to what we're just talking about. Is that you know we're having to um, realize that grief takes time. We have to process this stuff. So Psalm 142. In verse 2, I don't have it up here on the screen. The pages are sticking together. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you should have seen me in the classroom with a mask on, uh, trying to, like, separate papers for kids. The first time I did it with my mask on, I'm like, that doesn't work licking your fingers through a mask, you know. Psalm 142, verse 2 says, I pour out my complaint before him. Talking about God. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. It's okay to come with God and to cry out what's on your heart, okay? Um, And and we see this in the Psalms. We see Jeremiah, the prophet, do similar things. Um, And so, you know, uh, we, it's okay to do this, and some people just feel like no, we we can't do that. Um, I mean, you have to at at some point over time, you have to come to some kind of re- re- uh, resolution, um, uh, and maybe the resolution might be okay. I don't know why this happened, but I trust the Lord. You know, and and many laments go that way. Um, you know, a, a lament. We don't use that word often, but but this is really what chapter three is. It's it's Job's lament. He's like things aren't things are broken, you know. They're not working right as they should. As you know, that's a very simplistic way of saving it. But when 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 a person laments, it, it's like you know whether it's a loss or uh, an injustice or something, and you and you're like, this is not right, you know. And you cry out to God, right? And then uh, eventually uh, and hopefully. You come around to in that lament, and it, it, we don't have a time period on this. It could take months, you know. It, it just depends on what somebody's going through. Um, but eventually, we need to learn to lean on God for help in all of that, right? In all of that, and so as we lean on God for help, and then and then He He uh, assists us. But but this is this is. Um, the Book of Lamentations. Didn't Charlie bring that up today? <laughs> right, Lamentations is is really just that. It's a it's about a lament, right, and a pouring out of our heart to God. So, so please, please, if you're going through um, some uh, incredibly difficult time, you need to pour out your heart to God. You need to ask your questions and and so on. And and um, and yeah, it's good to process in community with others as well, but. Um, uh, I would say if there's anything we also learn from, learn from the book of Job is not how to be a comforter to others, okay? As you will soon see uh, when I get to just the few verses in chapter 4 we're doing today, it's kind of like, don't be like these guys who are supposed to be helping their friend, right? Don't be like these guys who are supposed to be helping their friend. Um, so so anyway, so we so we need to, to know that there's no quick fix to pain uh, there is no instantly working through grief. It just, and, the, and this is one of the things that I think that this is here for. This is here for us so that we can understand that. All right? So um, we just get uncomfortable sometimes if we hear someone talking like Job was. you know. And uh, if you've ever been around somebody that's going through deep pain like this, you kind of want to go in there and, and, and fix their theology. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Not right then. Okay? That's not a good idea. Uh actually the Job friend had it right one time. And that was uh the few verses before chapter three where they sat there for seven days and said nothing. All right. Right? Because isn't some of the, the you know and I've had to do a lot of pastoral visits over the year and years and you know, whether it's in the hospital or something, people going through a lot of uh difficult times and sometimes the best thing, you know, is just be there. You know, and 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 many times I don't have any answers. You know, other than just to be there, and that's and that's the best thing you can do, uh, to support your friends that are going through difficult. Just be there, you know, because there's this you feel like this pressure, like there ought to I ought to be saying something like profound that's going to pull them out of the ditch. Nope, and, and many times you'll just make it worse. Um, you know, and and by the way, Nancy Guthrie uh, has written a book with Crossway publishers and it's about basically how you can be a good comforter to your friends cuz she's been through a lot in her life and she 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 could tell you some things that she's learned about how how you could be the best help to somebody who's who's experiencing grief and loss. So I don't remember the title of it but I'm sure if you if you search for Nancy Guthrie and look for grief you'll find her book, okay? Um so um yes, we could pour out our complaints to God like it says in Psalm one forty two two. Um, you know, and, and John Piper said a similar thing about this because he's like, uh, somebody asked him about, "Can you is it okay to complain to God? Because Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Right? Well, that's true. And that verse is still true. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. So, uh, you know, and he would say, and I agree with him, he'd say, well, we should not be complaining, but if you're going to be complaining to God, Complain to God and in front of him and work it through. You know, that's what he would say. Um, I think that's good. We just we just wanted to realize. You know, Job, um, he asked the why question a number of times in chapter 3, verse 11, verse 12, verse 16, verse 20, and verse 23. He says, why, 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 right? And, um, and so, again, it's okay to ask the questions. It's just a matter of... Um, are we, or are we, are we call, crying out to God in this, um, and, and just realize that it might take some time, and we might not have um, answers, humanly satisfying answers, right? But, but the thing is, is that I think the, the by the grace of God we'll rest upon His love and His care through all of that. Now, um, sometimes, and you may not have experienced this. Um, but sometimes people that are going through deep uh, uh, loss and a lot of grief, they don't even sense the nearness of God in their life. Okay, uh, it, later in Job, I'll read one verse to you. Job thirty verse twenty. I'll listen to what he says. At Job thirty verse twenty. He says, "I cry to you." He's talking to God. I cry to you for help, and you do not answer me. I stand and you only look at me. This is how he was feeling. It didn't mean that God wasn't there. Okay? It didn't mean that God wasn't in some way helping him. But he did not feel it. Okay? Uh, I'm just trying to bring out some things that, you know, that a lot of Christians just try to kind of gloss over and just like, oh, you know, we really shouldn't talk to God like that. You know, we really shouldn't say these things. Well, um, we need to say these things and we need to cry out to God and we need to work through this lament. And there are times for some people that they don't sense his nearness, but they know theologically he is there, but they miss that nearness that they felt in the past. And so sometimes that happens. And, and, um, the only thing I know we can say is when you look in the Psalms, and the psalmist says, "I," we just kind of have to hang on to hope that I will yet again praise him. That there will be a day when I will sense his nearness again. I don't know when that is. But we put our hope in that. So, now... I want to read for you some of the verses here in chapter 4. So now enter Job's uh, friends, specifically just the one right now that we're going to listen to what he has to say, Eliphaz. okay, Eliphaz. So it says here in uh, Job chapter 4, verse 1, Then Eliphaz the Temanite uh, replied to Job. So here's Eliphaz's first response to Job and what he just said in chapter 3. Will you be patient and let me say a word, he says almost like asking permission, but he's going to say it anyway. It says, for who, could keep, who, who, for who could keep from speaking out? In the past, you have encouraged many people. He's speaking to Job. In the past, you've encouraged many people. You have strengthened those who were weak. Your words have supported those who were falling. You encouraged those with shaky knees. But now, when trouble strikes, you lose heart. You are terrified when it touches you. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life of integrity give you hope? Stop and think. Do the innocent die? When have the upright been destroyed? And then he says this. My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. Well, there you go. There's uh, his opinion. Um, and uh, this this whole... You know that last statement kind of says it all. Well, first of all, he's like, you know, why? It's almost kind of like you—you you get the uh, the Nike theme. Just do it. Come on, man, buck it up. Get through it, right? You've 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 counseled people when when they were going through stuff. You know, Eliphaz's Eliphaz says, you know, won't your your relationship with God and your integrity carry you through? You know, almost kind of like, where's your faith? You know, um, but but what's happening here though? As you saw here at this very last verse where he says, my experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. What's he really saying there? You must have done something wrong. It's your fault, right? That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And so, uh, you know, my takeaway here from these few verses in four is just that we have to be careful not to misdiagnose somebody's suffering, Right? You have you most likely have no idea what God is doing. Okay. Um, and well, we know, we we got the backstory, right? We know what happened in the heavenlies. We know what God was doing, right? Job doesn't know, and and neither of his friends have no idea what happened in the heavenlies between uh God and Satan. They don't know. And um and so there, there's several things here that um you know, when you we talk about his friend, several things he he really blew it on uh, in his statements here. But one is that he overestimates his knowledge of the truth. All right? Uh, you know, this is where it would be really good to hang on to those verses and say, you know, be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? Uh, because you just, you, you know, you think that you kind of, you know what what what's happening, and you know why this person. You know, you might even think of some specific things that they've been doing wrong in their life. You don't know that that's the reason this is coming down on them. You don't know, right? And so, um, you know, Eliphaz he thinks that he knows what's going on with Job. He thinks that he knows what God is doing, and why this is happening. But the thing is, is that he doesn't, and we don't know either, right? Unless your name is God you don 't okay now, can someone's sin bring down discipline in their lives for sure we 've got scripture that backs that up right, but uh do you know that this thing that 's happening is a direct result of that and that 's what God is doing? Do you know that that 's this one i don 't think you do unless God has given you some sort of special knowledge on this particular situation right so the best thing you could do is just um you know, just, just be there, and like I said before, and try to be of some encouragement and some help, and it usually doesn't come by a lot of words. Um, now, the other thing that Eliphaz does wrong is he he misapplies the truth that he does know. Okay, So there's the over overestimating the knowledge he does have about the truth, that he kind of has this all figured out. But then Eliphaz, he misapplies the truth he does know. Well, what is the truth he does know? Well, again, there... Uh, a lot of times, you know, right? Um, there's, there's there is a cause and effect, right? Uh, I I did this, and and then this is coming back on me, right? Or uh, and I don't mean karma. No, it's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about, you know, the Proverbs has a lot of cause and effect, right? Wisdom literature there, um, but many times, you know, we make bad decisions. We have to um, deal with the consequences of those decisions, right? I had a coach in high school. His favorite saying was. This is his way of saying uh you 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 did this wrong. This is this is happening to you because of that. He said, You burn a blister, you sit on it. You burn a blister, you sit on it. I'm okay. Like, okay, thanks, coach. I don't know. I think I know what that means, you know? <laughs> but but he but he's just like, you know, you're gonna you get what you got coming. That was his way of saying it, you know. Um But but yeah, so so there is there is that God does discipline his children because he loves them, right? And so if we're off off the rails spiritually speaking and 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 wandering away from the Lord, many times the Lord will bring circumstances into our lives to bring us back to him because he loves us. Any any parent would do that for their kids. You know, they they would do whatever it took to try to uh save their kids from experiencing some great hurt in their life, right? Um and so um you know so he he ha- he knows this Eliphaz knows that that does happen, um but he's misapplying it i don't know if you remember um in in the Gospel of John, someone asked Jesus a question that's kind of related to uh this uh knowledge that Eliphaz had that there's a lot of times you know consequences for things in John chapter nine in verse two. getting everything but John chapter 9. Okay, here we go. John chapter 9, verse 2, it says, and his disciples asked him, okay, back up to verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents that he was born blind? In other words, uh, you know, they're just thinking that. Somebody sinned, that's why they out popped a baby that had these disabilities. And uh, Jesus says, "Uh, nobody in this situation, right? He has a different answer. But Eliphaz's mind was in that space, okay, where he's thinking that he did something wrong, therefore this is coming down on him, right? And as a result of that, what happens is he misrepresents God. He misrepresents God uh, to, to Job. And so we we, we we have the benefit of knowing what God... Um, we, we had the benefit of knowing what was happening right behind the scenes, but Eliphaz did not. And so he thought he was going off all half-cocked, like, I know what's going on, I'm going to tell you what's wrong so you can get it right. But it's totally wrong. It's totally wrong. And so uh, all of that just to say, you know, we have, to, we have to not sit as judge and jury over people that are going through suffering because we think we know why it's happening. That we think we know why it's happening. So um, Job's friends uh just needed to sit on all of their knowledge and just uh try to see how they could support him in some other way. And really, like I said before, just being there is uh and and just maybe physically helping with his suffering would probably be a good idea. Um but uh so so really um you know. This morning, when we look at those those verses in chapter three, again, we're just, we should come away with the fact that okay, hey, I have a I have a picture that you know grief and suffering. It's not just a theological issue. It's not, you know, you can kind of know and read books about like why God allows suffering and what are the purposes of suffering. And I even gave some of those uh, last week, but you know. You're still a person going through stuff that hurts, right? And you have to be able to bring that to God. You have to be able to bring that to God. You you, you cry to Him in your prayer. And sometimes you might find songs that express how you feel, and you need to sing those songs, right? Um, With One of the songs that we've been singing through this series, right? That whole idea that He gives and takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord, right? It's... Somehow you know that helps us to recognize and to acknowledge um, yes, we know things about um what God has revealed to us about purposes for suffering, but we need to feel these things uh, in front of god okay so um let 's just let 's just talk to the lord right now let 's pray heavenly father we're we 're in this what might be a strange place for some of us. Um, Job is not a book that you can lay out, you know, here's five wonderful application points for your life today. But we're right in the midst of these raw emotions and these questions. And and maybe some of us come today with questions about suffering in our own lives, questions uh, about things that are happening to us, uh, around us, but... Lord help us to to grab on not only to the truth of your sovereignty, not only to the truth that you say that in Romans 8:28 that you work all things together for good to those who love God and according to his purpose. So not only to those truths, Lord let us just cry out to you that we're still hurting even though we know those things are true. And know that that's okay. Like the psalmist says, I take my troubles to you. I take my complaints to you. Lord, uh, I pray that you would help us to, um, as we encounter various times of suffering and we, as we start to cry out to you, Lord, help us to heal as we cry out to you. Lord, help us to be honest in our laments as we cry out to you. And help us to move towards you in those times and not away from you, God. By your grace, lead us towards you. And Lord, we, we do trust you. We know that you are, um, you always have our best in mind. Lord, help us also to be um, good friends to those who are going through suffering. Help us to be ones who are not quick to just simply say nice little Christianese sayings. Um, but maybe it's better to say, how can I help you? Ask a question. Meet some physical needs. And there will be times for conversations about maybe deeper things, but Lord, help us to be sensitive to the leading of your Spirit on how to best serve and to love one another through very difficult times. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.